All right. Uh, welcome to the second episode of the Make Queens podcast. I am Mary Graves. And I am Heather of Heather Loves Horror. <laughs> and we are the Make Queens. <laughs> um, today's episode, we are going to be talking about a movie that is basically a fever dream from beginning to end. I am talking about the 1970s classic, which I wish I could remember what year specifically, but we'll just say 1970s, Phantasm. Heather, what, do you know what year? 79. Oh my God, so it's almost an 80s movie. That, that's why I caught my attention. That's the only way I remember. <laughs> I just know that when you watch this movie, it still has like 70s elements. Like the soundtrack is still a very 70s soundtrack. Like something you'd hear Dario Argento uh, put in one of his films or George Romero. And also the blood, the blood is still in this movie, that Technicolor red color that you'd see in the old 70s movies, which is why I love it so much because it's so off-putting how fake it is, even though you know it's so fake, but it's just like cr crazy creepy when you look at it. So I, I love that about this movie. What are your thoughts about this movie in general? Uh, let's see. I mean, I have fun watching it. I need to finish the rest of them because I haven't seen them since they since forever. But um, like last night, I went ahead and um and rewatched it and took all my notes because if I don't write them down, I forget. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Um, I really enjoyed it. You know, it's kind of like a it's it's a little confusing at times because you're trying to be like, okay, is this a dream sequence? Is this not a dream sequence? Is it all a dream sequence? Is it is any of it real? And um, so it's fun, like, trying to figure that out. Um, and I did want to tell you, he had said that his inspiration was from, what was it? The 1953 film Invaders from Mars. That was his inspiration for making this film. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I knew that um, the stuff with the silver balls that keeps appearing in this movie that that he actually dreamed about. And so I figured that the style of this movie, yeah, he said that he had a dream about there being a corridor, a corridor, a long corridor that he was running down and that these silver balls were chasing him and that they came out of a wall from a dismay machine or something, some, some sort of machine in a wall that was sending sadness. And the sadness was the silver balls with the, the spikes, yeah. Um, but I didn't know that he um, based it off of a, a, a movie that he had watched before. I did feel like this whole movie just feels like one big dream, too. I agree. Totally. Now, I haven't seen any of the sequels. So I, I've only seen the previews because I want to watch the sequels so bad. I feel the sequels will let you know whether or not this first movie was a dream sequence the entire time or what was real and what wasn't. I know Reggie, the ice cream man who you see get stabbed, but he in the end is alive. I know he's like the main character in all the sequels. He becomes like Bert in the Tremors movies. Uh, he's just the big hero action star almost of, of the Phantasm sequels. And I know that they bring back Jody in one of the sequels, at least one of the sequels. And I know that Michael, the kid, shows up as well. But I never watched them to see if those things are fake too, or if those guys are working with the tall man i know nothing about that so i'm coming at this from like uh almost phantasm virgin uh side of things i uh i have the dvd for phantasm one though i remember 
going down to Tennessee and I was bored and I didn't have a car. So I walked across the street from my hotel room. I was going to visit a friend for a wedding. I walked across the street from my hotel room and I went to the local Walmart. I think it was Walmart. And I went to their $5 DVD bin and Phantasm was in it. And I'm like, this is a classic horror movie. I should own this. I've never watched it, but I should own it. And then it took me months after that to actually watch it because the cover alone scared me. (laughs) I do know in part four, all that I remember about the sequels is I believe part four, they explain how the tall man got to be who he is or yeah, whom he is. I'm not who he is. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, I know, but it bothers me they're wrong and I shouldn't Uh, let that uh, shit get. (laughs) Okay. So let's jump into the beginning of this movie. First of all, Oh, okay, so the previous, not all the previews, but I know that a couple of the previews for the sequels talks about what a phantasm is to begin with, because uh, if it weren't for this movie, I probably would have never heard that word. And the definition is delusion of a disordered mind, a phantom, a spirit, a ghost. So is phantasm, is it their delusion in their mind that all this is happening? Or are all the things that are happening because they're all ghosts and spirits? They're not like, because to me, it sounds like they're more demony when you're watching the movie, but, you know, who knows how real they actually are. I agree. They, they seem to me more like demons. So jump it. Right. Especially those little guys in the hood. <laughs> especially the little guys in the hood. They just seem very creepy demon. I mean, they growl. They have like this beastly growl every time they show up. Like Ewoks on crack. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the perfect way to describe them. Ewoks on crack. I think they were actually trying to make them um, Star Wars-like, too, because Star Wars came out just, I think, just a few years before this movie. Um, I'm not sure where we are in the franchise of Star Wars at this point, but uh, they were definitely trying to make them Ewok-like. Ewok? Oh, we're trying to die in the 80s. Yeah. Because don't they have, like, hands? They look like real hands, huh? Oh, well, okay. So you find out in part of the movie when there's a car accident that the the one demon hooded guy that was driving the car uh, and caused the crash was Tommy, the guy who died at the very beginning of the movie, whose funeral that they're all going to. So they turn their dead into these demon guys somehow. So yeah, the hands would be human because they were formerly human people. Here's where it gets really confusing too, because you have the 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 dead Ewoks. Uh, beast guys who used to be human beings but then you also have this whole other planet that you see through the two um silver stick things if you go through it you're you're entering their world where it looks like the 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 demons come from and they've been put into barrels and shipped over to our earth through this portal so i don't know like is there a way that they're transferring them into human bodies through the barrels like this this is the part that feels very dreamlike to me so my take on it is that so i know from four that uh the tall man you know he was a normal 19th century man he created this portal to be able to travel through space well when he tried to come back he came back as a tall man not himself well He's using this graveyard and these bodies and he's enslaving them to, I guess, make them do his work. And then he puts them in the barrels and I guess sends them into space or the the portal, whatever it's called. 
that was my take, but I get confused. So I could be wrong, but you know, everything's about perception and for some reason that's what I took on it. But um, yeah, it's kind of confusing. <laughs> well, cause then you also have to factor in all the dead people that have gone missing, at least in the first movie, you know, that Jody and Michael's parents who had died before the movie took place, um, but not too long, like two years, I think they said between then and when they passed away. Um, and they're, or at least the father's coffin was empty. So he's doing something with these dead bodies. We've seen Tommy turn into one of these creatures. So I guess we can assume that two of these creatures are probably Jody and Michael's mom and dad. So it's like, but how does he do that? Where does the process come in? I know because the other planet is in play, but like they're, they're from earth. So I don't know. Yeah. It's all a big fever dream. Oh. Okay. Here's a question I have about this movie. It sounds like this whole cemetery and the mausoleum are the center of town, basically. And it's a small, it's a suburb. There are people's houses and stuff and some really nice houses too. Uh, but there's nothing to do in this town. Everybody seems to be hanging out and having sex at the cemetery. Like why, 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 why are people hanging out at the cemetery all the time? And then doing it right on the grave. Like what the hell? <laughs> yeah. And there's also, um, the town itself just seems very dreamlike in the way it's put together. It just, because I've had some really wild dreams over the last couple of weeks, which I talked a little bit, a, a bit about on my Instagram. It feels like, like when you're having a dream and something bad happens and you just all of a sudden think of a solution and then the solution is there. So they have this issue with the tall man trying to get them and all of a sudden there's a mine shaft in town and you're gonna run away from the tall man but you're also running towards this mine shaft and it just the plot comes out of nowhere and then the guy drops into the mine shaft magically and then magically what's his face jody knows that you're there and pushes the rocks over and it squishes the tall man that whole sequence felt like a dream and michael does wake up but then he he's not awake because the tall man gets him it's so so very much like a dream it's it's hard to to really figure out what's real and what's not because apparently jody's supposed to be dead too so i don't know yeah it's so weird and then i thought reggie was dead i thought he had gotten killed too by the lady in lavender and then he's like there with mike like talking about how how then jody had gotten in a wreck right i'm like well that did I hear that right? I'm like, so then they, mm -hmm. both of them had gotten in a wreck. That sounds very um, odd or ironic, you know, that they both ate that way. It it sounded like, like Michael had, or I'm sorry, Jody had gotten into a car crash and this was like after the parents had already died. So Reggie was there taking care of, of Michael and Michael just had this dream where Jody was still alive and he was leaving him, which let's talk about that. Jody is apparently planning on leaving his brother, Michael and leaving the town, getting in his big old sports car, or whatever muscle car and leaving town because there's nothing for him there. And he's afraid of leaving Joe, uh, leaving Michael alone because Michael's always following him and their parents just died two years ago. Well, this entire time, if this part's not a dream, this entire time, Michael is only 13 years old. He's 13 years old and he has no parents and his older brother who is of guardian age is gonna abandon him. I mean, yes, Michael knows how to work a car somehow. He knows how to like change oil and, and move things around under the car. I don't even fucking know how to do that. And I'm in my thirties. 
So Michael is a very impressive young kid, but his brother Jody is planning on leaving him. Who was going to watch 13-year-old Michael? Was Reggie always going to be the guardian in this situation? Because I just, I don't, I don't understand how you just abandon a 13-year-old kid. He, he had mentioned bringing him to one of the, to an aunt. I don't remember. I wrote it down somewhere. And so I did notice that part. But with you talking about, you said something that made me think like if it was a dream sequence and Jody was really dead, was he in the car wreck with Tommy? Oh, okay. Although we see Tommy get stabbed by the blonde woman too right. at the beginning. But I think they blame it on a car wreck. Uh, and that's what happens to Reggie because he also gets stabbed. But he's in a car wreck before that happens too. This, the movie, this movie is just a cluster. It just, it's just everything thrown at it at once. Um, but yeah, so Tommy, we see he gets stabbed by a blonde woman, who's really the tall man, which, by the way, why? Tall man, you're already scary enough as you are. You're really strong. You, you've got all these demon henchmen guys. Why on earth you need to turn into a blonde woman and have sex with these guys and then stab them? Why can't you just kill them? like what's like I guess you're having your fun too but why also by the way I looked it up that woman uh had a body double so those are not her boobs everybody if you were watching this to see her boobs those are not her boobs in this movie yeah she's credited as double lavender I was like what (laughs) (laughs) double lavender oh my goodness there is (laughs) there's another great sequence in this movie that makes me think about dreams I've had because every once in a while I'll have a spider dream where uh, I'll be I'll just be walking along and all of a sudden there's a spider and it's like floating around in my face and I have to knock it away and then all of a sudden I'm being chased by the spider throughout my house and I'm ducking I'm trying to kill it but I always miss it and I'm talking about the sequence with the finger turning into the giant demon fly <laughs> because at one point, the tall man gets his finger chopped off and uh, and Michael decides to take one of the fingers, puts it in a box, and it's still moving around. And it's got this yellow blood too. And he decides to keep it as evidence. So he's showing it to, to his brother, Jody. And then he, he leaves the box, which by the way, never leave a box of evidence alone ever. Always have it by your side. Mm-hmm. But he has this box and he leaves it in his room and he goes to check on it and he opens it and this giant ass fly comes flying out of this box like the fly when it leaves the box looks like it's way too big to have even fit in this box uh so the 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 animatronics of it is just hilarious but it's got these like demony red eyes it's climbing on on michael's back trying to shove it into the the drain and the garbage disposal and it's hanging out on the side so it can't get killed these are all the kind of things I would dream about. And I just watched this and I'm like, oh, I've had a dream just like that. It's just it was spiders instead of instead of this fly. It's very, very creepy. What did you think of the fly? I thought it was I thought it was weird. And then when it came back out of the garbage disposal and then starts attacking Mike again, I was just like, damn. <laughs> it was it was gross. It was a it was weird fly. It was made weird noises. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> It's what nightmares are made of. This is a strong oh. ass fly for being so well, <laughs> and, small, but not small for a fly. 
and fuzzy. It was kind of fuzzy too. Like a tarantula almost. I just like the <laughs> sequence where, oh yes, yes, exactly like a tarantula. Um, I like when Reggie walks in when they've already shoved it into the garbage disposal the first time and Reggie walks in and you see Michael and Jody by the sink and Michael's not Michael Jody's got his coat and it's got a hole in it from where the the fly broke out and he's just like hanging onto his jacket and Reggie's looking at him like what the fuck are you guys doing and uh then it finally pops out of the garbage disposal and then it's like I thought Reggie wasn't gonna know what's going on that he was gonna be confused that he wasn't gonna believe them then all of a sudden Reggie is pulled into this world this phantasm world and becomes a, a big player in in all their plans it's just it's so funny the way they treated his character in this movie and knowing that he's such a bigger player in the movies the sequels so i really i really need to watch those and see how he progresses so i want to see what happens with this character everybody talked about him as like he's this great hero like in all these documentaries i've watched about these movies that he's this great hero that doesn't get enough like when they're talking about final girls and and final guys like ash from from the the evil dead movies you talk about him when you talk about the guys but you never talk about this guy you never talk about reggie so i really need to watch the sequels to to see more about his character oh, i'm going through my notes too and even the way i took notes just feels so off kilter like like my notes themselves feel like i was just writing down a bunch of random things none of it is like tied together it's just a reflection of how this movie actually goes. Um, there's this one sequence, the sequence when they're, they're discovering the portal to the other planet. And my, no, Michael, the kid, says something about because of the heat and because of the gravity. It, he says this random line about heat and gravity. And, and, and it's supposed to explain why the demons are there and why the demons are coming here and the barrels. But it doesn't actually explain anything. It feels like dream speak. And I wrote down because of the gravity and because of the heat and I'm like I don't know what that means and I don't think anyone watching this movie does either if they've only watched the first one did they say that I it don't know if it's explained in any of the other ones I think I think he was saying that it like crushed them down to dwarf size so that they could fit okay I, I think that's what it was said I think that's what he said either that or I looked it up okay I'm that having problem understanding it myself <laughs> That, that would make more sense. That, that I think would be a great explanation. And then I was reading a little bit this morning about how the director and writer, Don uh, Cascarelli, I believe is his name, how he actually put people in the movie that were random characters that you never see again. And some of them don't really have an explanation. Uh, there's to But they're people from his real life. So that's why he put them in this movie. There's Toby who Jody talking about leaving town too, but I think Toby explained that he's one of the neighbors. You never see him again, but apparently he has a personal connection to the director and the writer, and that's why he's there. Also with that whole scene, he's, he, I remember Michael is talking to, no, it's, yes, it's when Michael, the, the kid, is talking to the psychic grandmother, and he says, I think Jody is leaving. And the whole scene is hilarious because he flashes back to working on the car working on Jody's car and he's underneath Jody's car he's right there in the driveway and Toby shows up and Michael goes to talk to him about leaving town but then Michael's 
uh, I'm sorry, Jody goes to talk to Toby about leaving town while Michael's under the car. And Jody says, I don't, I think that uh, Michael knows that I'm leaving. And it's like, yeah, he knows you're leaving. He's in earshot of you while you're talking to Toby about leaving. Why do you, why wouldn't you think he's going to know? You're not really good at keeping secrets. It's the most... That's another very dreamlike thing, I think, where a character thinks they're out of earshot or in a dream world, a character could take a few steps away and they would be out of earshot of the person they're talking to or talking about. So it also makes me wonder if this is a dream sequence, this entire movie, whose dream is it? Is it is it Michael's dream because he's the kid and he's the one being chased by the tall man? Or is it Jody's dream? Because I mean, yeah, he's technically thought to be dead by the end of this but he's kind of the lead in taking care of the fly and he's the one that's planning on leaving and he's the one who goes to the the parents caskets first but then could it possibly be Reggie's dream or is it all of their dreams at different points that's what I was wondering if it too was Reggie's dream himself since he's in you know sequel stuff but um it's definitely hard to figure out I at first I thought it was Michael but you know with with us talking about Reggie maybe it was his I don't know and Reggie seems to know things too like um okay there's Sally and Susie who are the antique shop owners that they drop Michael off at when Jody is going back to the mausoleum to try to fight the tall man or to I actually don't know why he goes back to the mausoleum he just ends up back at the cemetery in the mausoleum but there's no like plan I think he was just trying to see the tall man I don't even think they were talking about the mine shaft yet at that point but but he drops or he has Reggie drop him off at Susie and Sally's antique store and then Susie and Sally get kidnapped when they're in the car driving away um but then Reggie says oh I saw Susie and Sally they escaped through a window or something and got away you never see it it's just dream knowledge so how did like Reggie because Reggie was in that room with the portal at one point and the wind was sucking everything into the portal but he somehow escaped it's very it's all very dream knowledge and you don't know why something is the way it is you just know that it is and that to me feels very much like a dream yeah uh, and there's one more character that <laughs> really bothered me because there was no reason for her to be in this dream a dream this movie at all and that's Myrtle oh yeah Myrtle, who the random woman that is in their house and I looked it up this morning and apparently the woman who played Myrtle was the real life housekeeper to Don Cascarelli's parents and oh, so wow. the theory is that she was the housekeeper for Jody and Michael and who was probably there since their parents were alive and stayed after the parents died in the car crash but in nowhere in this movie is that explained just walking down the hallway and she appears out of nowhere and scares the crap out of them and i'm like who who, who is this woman what is she doing here all i know is that her name is myrtle that's it yeah that confused me for a second i was like wait a minute it's a I very they, random movie i was like i thought they live in the house do they live in an apartment complex like i started questioning myself i'm like what and i'm like no they live in a house and i i didn't know that about her so i'm glad you said something because i would have still been left trying to figure it out i only know this because of some forum that i saw like i, I googled who's myrtle phantasm and there was a forum of people on a phantasm website talking about it i don't know where these people even get their information they could be completely wrong and pulling it out of their own asses but if this is true that is why she was in the movie and that is the theory behind who she was as a character but the movie on its own as we came out the internet was really a thing so there was no way to look this up you were just taking it as is Myrtle is in the house <laughs> 
<laughs> that's it so it's just art as somebody who's seen the sequels before do they do this kind of stuff in the sequels where they don't really explain things i don't really remember i believe so but i really don't remember like i told you i, I have to watch it fresh because i forget so many things like if if i hadn't written this all down last night uh, it would have left my mind immediately but as far as i remember that there's still a lot of things un unexplained um I believe it was in the fourth one where they did explain uh, how the tall man came to be, like I told you before, but that's all I really can remember. So I have no idea. <laughs> well, that makes two of us. So we're in good company. I want to say, oh, there's the ingenuity of, of Michael as a kid too. One, you see him driving a couple of times. And again, he's a 13 year old kid. I know some people like, well, their parents will let them drive or something when they get to a certain age, just, you know, for fun. Hey, do you want to drive to the corner of the street or something? But Michael is full on like driving during a chase to get away from the, the hearse that had Tommy and the demon guy behind it. And he also out of his room locks him into by taping a bullet, a shotgun bullet to a hammer and then hammering it against the door to make an explosion so that he could put a hole in the door and put his hand through it. Like, there's just all this brain power that in real life, I don't think a kid like this would have. That makes it, makes it the argument that maybe this entire movie is a dream or that it's his dream. I remember once having a dream. As a really young kid, I was like, the, the younger than eight, definitely. And I climbed a mountain to meet a guy. Yes, because I was already having dreams about guys at that point. And I had to make him coffee. Um, I don't know why I had to make him coffee. I just, I like wanted to make him coffee. And I was a kid. I didn't know anything about coffee. I just knew that adults drank it. And I wanted to make it for this guy. And I remember just putting a bunch of shit into a cup and water and it was coffee. And so I magically dream made him coffee. And that whole sequence reminded me of just that little part of the dream where I mentally got myself to think I can make coffee and I did it. And so this kid is like, I can escape from this room. I've got these tools that I will magically tape together and it will work. And I also wonder if that would work. I've never, I don't do bullets. So I, I've never tried. Yeah, I thought that, I was like, how is that possible? Uh, and I was wondering what he was gonna do with the bullet until he actually did it. But um, yeah, I would definitely, not even at this age would have thought of that attacking a bullet or whatever it was same i'm just i mean he's got the hammer and i'm pretty sure there are windows in that room like why not just break a window and climb out that's what originally i thought he was gonna do very no well he tricked us um i don't know like he tricked he definitely tricked us oh there's one point where you think that jody's car is driving itself and then michael is behind the car that was the chase scene where you don't see him in the driver's seat. And he's tall enough that you'd be able to see him. But it's not until Jody goes to the side of the car and opens the door that he sees that Michael's there. That, again, is another very dreamlike thing. Where it's like, your brain didn't piece that together as you were thinking it. But then when you your brain realized that you needed to piece it together, it shoves in the image into your brain. It's just... I, I very much feel like this entire movie from beginning to end is a dream. And the only thing I can't figure out is whose dream it is. I feel like if I watch the sequels, maybe I'll be able to figure it out. But right now, I just, I don't know. But I'm almost positive the entire thing is a dream. And if all the movies turn out to be a dream, it makes me wonder, are their parents really dead? Or are they all dreaming that 
that they were dead and they're alive this entire time and their kids like in a coma having all these weird dreams or something right I don't know I don't know I'm gonna have to watch the sequels again too I've got the is it a four pack I think but uh, it takes so long to watch them when you when you're like really trying to figure them out and then you like take notes and stuff you know how long it takes it just it gets time consuming but I want to figure out what happens well yeah well what I said about Midsummer, yeah what I said about Midsummer last week the movie Midsummer is over two hours two hours long and it took me like three hours to watch it because I'd stop it and take a note because I didn't want to miss the next thing I might want to take a note about and that was the same with Phantasm I didn't stop it as much because I had just watched it, I think, a month ago. So uh, some of it was still fresh in my mind. But there would be little details that I wouldn't have picked up with before. And it's so funny because you'll, when you're just watching a movie like this, just to watch a movie like this, you're just like, oh, it is what it is. I mean, granted, I've watched movies like this with my parents and they'll be like, what? What? Why? And by the end, be so completely confused that they didn't like the movie. But I'll watch a movie like this and the confusion is like a character within the movie. The confusion is there on purpose. It's not, it's not like the, the movie is good in so many different ways in terms of effects and the score and the acting itself is really good. In fact, Don got, uh, I know that he got a lot of his actors from the, in this movie from previous things he had done. In fact, the DVD I have has a ton of previews on it. Uh, and I might go live and, and show everybody the previews on Instagram at some point, but they're all movies he created. And you could see the actors in the movies like Kenny and company and, and survival Quest or something uh, has actors that he's worked with for Phantasm in these movies. So the acting is great and you take all these great things in the movie and then you add this element of it feels like a, a movie that was chopped together and doesn't feel cohesive. The story plot, the plot doesn't 100% make sense. That makes it obvious that it was done on purpose because he wants it to feel like a dream. Although I do know that this movie was originally over three hours long and he had to cut that much stuff just to make it a regular length movie. And I think from what I read, part four has some of the cut footage in it. And then I think the rest of it is lost, unfortunately. So I know there are deleted scenes in on my DVD, but other than that, I think a lot of it has been lost over time. But yeah, uh, it's just, it's, yeah, it's a fever dream, but it's like a really good fever dream. Yeah, it's, it's confusing, but it's good. Yeah, it's all, it all is a mishmash. It's really hard to talk about this in one sequence of, of events that happened, but you've got everything starting off with Tommy's death. You've got uh, Michael stalking Jody to the funeral, and I believe Reggie is at the funeral too. And you see the tall man lifting the casket up. There's the incidents with the ball. Okay, what is the significance of the balls? Because the silver balls are there. I think they talk about them in one of the sequels, but you don't know why the balls are there. They don't have like a filter for who they're going to stab because there's that one guy who looks like a janitor who's helping out the tall man and he gets stabbed in the head with one of these balls and you see the blood flying out of the other end so if they're a security system they're not a security system that judges who they should be securing the mausoleum from they're just killing everybody that's in the halls what is their point and where do they come from do we have any idea about this? Because we don't in this movie. No, pretty much the only thing I know is that he said in his inter in an interview, uh, Dawn, that this 
the spear critics called the first motorized vampire or something like that. Oh. Uh, Don Cascarelli uh, Cas- said that. Uh, it was all my special features for the, the DVD. I thought I had written something else down about it, but I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think I really had an explanation for that either. Other than the fact that he got that idea from what his dream that he had when he was younger. There's no origin origin or, or explanation for why they're in this movie. They're just there. They're scary as hell, for sure. Uh, Michael has to dive just to get one to not hit him. And obviously, they, they do gross things. They attach to your face, and they drill a hole in your skull. And I know that they did that by filming it in reverse, where they stuck the thing to a person, and then they pulled it off. Um, and then they they um, put the sequence in the movie in reverse so that it looked like it was attaching and then stabbing. But other than that, I know nothing about why. Like why uh, the tall man wants these balls in his mausoleum. Like would they hurt him if they came by him, you know? It's just, it's pretty random. I do like, because I've seen the previews for the um, sequels, that they call this the movie that has balls. <laughs> That's funny. This movie has balls. But uh, yeah, exactly. I just know that Coscarelli explained in there, he says Phantasm is about the American way of death. In his interview, um, that the tall man embodies our fear of death. He, and I believe that he was an alien come to Earth to enslave the dead from the cemetery. And that it also represents like death and mourning, uh, you know, how you grieve. And I just, like, they make it a point to, you know, focus on the nightmares. And the nightmares are scary because it's hard to tell if it's reality or not. And you don't know, like, in your dream if you can, if it's reality or a nightmare. And you're just trying to fix it. And um, I really like, pretty. I think this is about it. I really liked whenever he visited the fortune teller and the granddaughter told him what the grandmother was thinking and uh you know after they put the hand in the black box and he was like freaking out and they were like it 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 was simply a reflection fear is a killer and that it's only in your mind and that they wanted him to know that and that's what helped save him before his potential demise at the end of the film so i just thought that was i I don't know why for some reason that stuck with me that line but i think no i think that's about it because you touched on the lady in lavender actually love I loved uh, the grandmother and the the granddaughter at the the psychic place. And it seemed like the granddaughter was also psychic too, uh, because she had this worried look on her face the entire time when when Michael was getting his reading and then left. And I kind of wish we would have seen more of them. And I feel like there should have been an interaction. Well, actually, I think we see the granddaughter go to the mausoleum at one point, and then she screams and disappears, and we never hear from her again. I think she's wearing a white dress and carrying flowers, but we never see the grandmother again. And I feel like a lot of the magic comes from her, and I kind of wanted to see a showdown between Psychic Grandma and the Tall Man and see, like, what would happen if you bring these two forces together and we could one defeat the other? Or is the Tall Man just too strong to be taken down? But I love the idea of him being an alien and trying to enslave the dead. 
that that to me seems like the perfect explanation for this entire movie dream or not i didn't want to say like whenever the granddaughter and the grandmother are there i thought it was odd that when the boy leaves or when mike leaves she just like busts out laughing because that like kind of threw me for a loop for him and i was like are they in on this and then like you said you see the granddaughter walking to the house uh, to the parlor or whatever and it looked like she opened the door and then that's when you hear the scream and it was it and it was just like weird because the grandmother's laughing and then you see the granddaughter and then boom they're gone but um no explanation as to why it just i wonder if they show up later in the sequels and i just don't remember i will make it a mission of mine to watch those sequels and to figure it out i'll just sit there i'm just gonna sit there with my notepad the entire time like aha that's what i'm gonna have to do too but yeah i think i think that's about it he his you probably know but don coscarelli or cascarelli's father funded the film because he did have a studio take interest but he didn't like the way they went about on casting and he talked a lot of in his interview about how movies had the hype and how he didn't want to he wasn't in it for money and he wasn't in it for the hype he wanted to like make something like that was around and just stuck with you um and then they just it which probably something of substance over something a flash yes it wasn't just a money grab it was something that he really was passionate about but yeah that's about all i have he talked too in the interview about you know how humor has its place in horror and how um he liked to kind of he wanted to kind of like have humor into it because you know a lot of times people will get really scared and then afterward they're like ha 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 and they laugh because it, they jumped or they got startled or whatever and so i thought that was funny because i mean he did have some interesting things in there that i mean the cloaked ewok demon aliens whatever they turned into they look they were kind of funny <laughs> but yeah that's all i have don't forget the giant fuzzy fly thing yeah that was so weird it's like half fly half tarantula <laughs> Well, this movie was definitely interesting and insane, but I think it's definitely it's one that I would recommend to people to watch Absolutely. for sure. And the entire series. I mean, because there's there's got to be more to the series. I know people say part two is one of the best movies in the series. I okay. So here's the thing. I bought part two because it was on sale on like Amazon Prime, but you cannot watch it like anywhere. And I'm not even sure it's available to buy anymore on Amazon Prime in this country at least but you can't stream it anywhere it's not part of any subscriptions and i'm lucky that i i own the copy that i have digitally uh you i'm sure you could find a dvd of it somewhere maybe but parts three and four are on like a ton of different streaming options but for some reason two is never included and i have no idea why but it's considered one of the best 80s films let alone one of the best movies in the, the franchise so I definitely want to watch part two. I'll probably do that in the next like 48 hours since I just watched part one last night. So de it's definitely a good series to, to get into and underrated because, you know, you're always talking about Texas Chainsaw or Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th. But I feel like this one kind of gets put on the back burner of people's minds and should be a movie and a series that people are checking out more often. Absolutely. Yeah.
But yeah. So what do you have coming up this week, Heather? I don't think I have anything planned. I had I have to check with a couple people because like getting our schedules to match is hard, especially when you're in different time zones. Um, and I just did the interview with Dooney the other day. I have a lot planned for January, but you know, with it being holiday season, kids being at home, it's just like I can't really control the outside noises. So yeah. What do you what about you? Oh, for me, well. I just got asked by Pillar Thriller to announce one of their winners for their horror movie brackets. And I know you just did one for uh, Pillar Thriller on your page and on their page. So if, you, if you're watching this, check that out too. Uh, and check mine out. Mine should be coming out in the next like 24 to 48 hours. Uh, we're, they're doing the voting now for the one I'm gonna announce. And let's see, well, by the time by the time this comes out on Friday, then it'll all already be out there. So go on Instagram and check out Pillar Thriller and see our, our announcement. Uh, on top of that, I just finished filming my Terror Tuesday stuff. So I'm gonna edit that all together tonight and that'll be out. Well, okay, by the time this comes out, it'll already be out. We are doing the 2006 Black Christmas. We did the original Black Christmas last week and hint for next week, it's going to be the other Black Christmas. So check out Terror Tuesdays on my Instagram. I am, oh, I'm going, well, this is already going to be out too by the time this comes out, but I'm going live tonight, the day that we're filming this, because I didn't get to put out a Grace Corner last week. I'm going live and I have a uh, winter solstice poem story that I wrote that's kind of based on the night before Christmas, but it's going to be the night of the solstice. And I put this together like in a, like a couple of minutes, just making some rhymes happen. And I'm going to be reading this live on both Instagram and YouTube. I'm going to have both set, set up and that's going to happen tonight. So by the time this episode comes out, that will be already up on my my YouTube pages and on my Instagram page. So also subscribe to both of our channels, the Heather Loves Horror uh, YouTube channel and the Mary Graves YouTube channel, because I will also be coming out. Hopefully this will be out before this episode comes out too. If not, it'll be out right after. But my next Mary Graves production, Cat Coven, will be coming out. Oh, Cat Coven will be coming out this week as well. So. I've been working on the ideas for that and I'm finally getting down to the filming parts and I just need to edit it all together, but it'll, it'll be a short one, probably shorter than the first uh, episode or first film I came out with. Okay. So subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to the May Queens podcast YouTube channel, cause that is running too. And go follow us on Instagram, Mary Graves CLE for me, Heather underscore loves underscore horror for Heather. And then May Queens podcast has their own social media accounts too. We've got it's May Queens Pod. I had to shorten our username from the, I think what I said last for last week's show. It's May Queens Pod because that's the limit on Twitter. Uh, but that's on Twitter and on Instagram. And I believe uh, that's all we're at on social media for now. And we'll be posting things on all of those accounts. So follow us. It'll be exciting, I promise. And and look for our podcast on Spotify. <laughs> and uh, Yes, yes. You know later what other platforms they're on because I don't remember off the top of my head. And I, I know I've seen, um, if it's through the same program that you're using, whoo, drop my pen, for Heather Loves Horror, then um, it should be on iTunes. And I I know there are a few other places, but iTunes is where I usually go listen to most of my podcasts anyway. So that's where I listen to Heather Loves Horror. And um, shout out to some of my inspirations for horror, because I know we're not the first horror podcast out there, but Guts Podcast, uh, Girl That's Scary, and I Hope You Suffer um, are all three podcasts that I listen to very much on the regular. So 
thanks for the inspiration guys a shout out to you too I, I like the same yeah, as again pillar thriller um ellis cinema shoot is it from beyond the depths oh my gosh i probably butchered that it's a horror podcast and i know there are more but they'll have to get shout outs on another episode because i just went blank <laughs> yes and yeah, thank well, you for getting me started with this <laughs> well you know if you hadn't had me on your podcast to begin with you know who knows where we, we where we would be by now. So thank you for having me on yours to begin with. Well, thank you for coming and accepting it. And thanks for coming up with the podcast schedule and everything like you for this uh, this aspect of the podcast. You've like done so much and I'm thankful for it. You're very creative. So thank you for being you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Ah, thanks. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think we should call it a day and um, look forward to this episode. Uh, these episodes coming out around Fridays every week. And next week, next week will be, uh, we're going to be talking about 2020 and the movies that have come out that we've seen, that we've liked, that we wish we would have seen or will see in the future. That's, that's pretty much it. So have a good one. All right, you too. Bye, girl. Bye.